introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. Hey guys, uh, this week I've got Annie Dragoo on. Annie Dragoo is somewhat of a Texas legend. She wouldn't admit to that, but she is a Texas legend. She and Billy, her husband, uh, have been doing this collectively for quite a while. I don't know, probably 50 plus years uh, between the two of them. And they're at Austin High School in Austin. So not like the Austin High School in my district, which is not in Austin, but they are... Uh, leaders in the world of Texas theater, one-act play, and Annie's big thing is musical theater. So she is uh, teaching and leading in the world of musical theater, even has classes for musical theater. She talks about that in this podcast, about how she kind of wrote the curriculum for it. And, you know, yes, it's adjusted and changed and stuff, but uh, the beginning of it, so those of you that have musical theater classes in your departments, or should, should be grateful for someone like Annie Dragoo, who's been fighting for you, who has been trying to get musical theater as, as, a, as a teeks and, and eventually did. And so that is an awesome thing for Annie to do. She's also someone that, that has a website. Uh, she and her husband, they have a website that is devoted to just helping you, to helping you as a theater educator and beyond even helping you take care of yourself, which is something she also deals with, with holistic medicine and uh, different ways of making sure that you yourself as a theater teacher are taking care of yourself all the time and thinking of yourself first sometimes in some cases, which we don't do very often, even as just as uh, theater people, not necessarily just educators, but as theater people, sometimes we don't think about ourselves because we're team players. But, you know, in order to be able to be as productive as you possibly can be. You've got to kind of sometimes be selfish about it. And selfish is sometimes just described as a negative word, but in a way selfish is sometimes the most unselfish way of getting results. So anyway, I'm blabbing once again, but if you listen to this podcast, you know that that's what my specialty is to blab, blab, blab. Uh, make sure that you check out Annie and Billy's podcast after peace. After peace is a podcast that mostly focuses on helping you in the classroom completely different than my podcast which really just gets to know different theater educators around the state of texas and hopefully beyond i've had a couple of a smattering of people outside of the state of texas but we have two different formats two different podcasts and so i hope you guys are checking that out because they are very knowledgeable with that stuff and are very helpful through that podcast and focus on specific uh different Oi, Gavalt. They, they, they focus on a variety of topics that are in the classroom. I'm not even going to edit that out. Why? I'm not perfect. But they focus on those things, and you can go and just pick and choose what your weaknesses might be and choose those episodes and, and hopefully get some knowledge from the two of those uh, amazing theater teachers out of Austin High School in Austin. The other one, you know, Fed Talks, because we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Uh, anyway. That's why I don't do musical theater anymore. But uh, we, we are all kind of theater educators that just wanted to talk, 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 talk into a microphone, listen to our own voice because we love it. But we want to help you too. That's ultimately what it breaks down to. I'm trying to help you guys. Same with Fed Talks a little bit to kind of humanize some people that you might see 
in different settings, Thespian Festival, TTA, TTEC, any other acronym you got, UIL. But we just want to, that's my goal is to make people into approachable humans that you might say, oh, you like stegosaurus rexes as well? What are they, whatever they're called? I also love a good stegosaur story. Anyway, it's early. I haven't had coffee. Uh, enjoy this interview from Miss Annie Dragoo. Thanks. Like many teachers, I was born in Texas anyway. I was born in a, um, a small town. Well, I was raised in a small town. I was born in Fort Worth. I was raised in Granbury, Texas. Uh, I have been involved with theater since I was little, starting in the church, like many, many people. And um, when I got to high school, I was a true fine arts kid. I was in band. I was in choir. I danced on the color guard. We didn't have a drill team. And I, uh, I, the only class I didn't take was theater arts. But I did audition for the musical every year, and I was cast every year. Uh, my senior year, I decided I was going to go out for the UIL one-act play um, because we had a new director in our school. And I thought, you know, hey, a new director, I can maybe get in there and get to know this person, maybe have a, given a chance. Um, and I didn't make, I didn't, I auditioned and I didn't get cast. Um, that director had cast me in the musical, um, which was Bye Bye Birdie, but I wasn't good enough for when I play. So that's okay. I get it. Um, I got revenge because I married him about 12 years later. Right. So that director was Billy Dracoon. Uh, he was first year teacher at my high school. Um, then I went on to college where I studied, uh, I got a bachelor of arts and double major in English and theater studies and, uh, never had anyone in my life that said, Hey, you could do this. You could be an actress. You could, this is actually a living you could do, you could go out and audition. So I never had anybody in my life that told me that that was possible. Uh, even though I did plays in college and, uh, I loved it. I had great mentors, uh, but my degree was focused more on theater studies than it was on performance. So after college, I became a teacher and I immediately began teaching English and theater and speech. And I taught in a series of uh, one-year situations. So I've taught in 1A, 3A, 4A, 5A, and 6A. But at the beginning of my career, the first seven years, I taught middle school and high school, um, but only at one year at a time. And so I never got to really establish a, a routine or a program with any, any one group. Then I went to Houston to Cypress Springs High School, and I was there for three years working on my own program had life changes, uh, and I found myself not married uh, with two kids and uh, began dating a guy here in Austin, uh, Billy. And so I moved to Austin, and uh, there happened to be an opening at Austin High in 2003-04. So that's how it's just like a series of events. I've taught at like 13 different schools. Uh, this is going to be my 26th year. I um, 
that university I went to was Houston Baptist University. Sorry, that was out of order. Uh, and in 2008, I won a scholarship to go and study at the Globe. So I was able to study teaching theater through performance uh, in London. We stayed at the London School of Economics and I got to work with Globe uh, educational practitioners there, learned so much about myself, about the theater world, and just came back on fire from that. And um, I was in the middle of working on my master's at the University of Northern Colorado and my illness got in the way. So I, I haven't got to finish that, but I have like, I'm, I've got lots of hours towards my master's degree, but I've, I've never finished it. And so currently I've been at Austin High now for 15 years and I took a two year break uh, to stay home with Sadie. And I teach musical theater and music appreciation. Wow. That's a good, you said 26 years total, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so in 15 now at Austin, mm -hmm. so if I do my math, that's 11. So within 11 years, you taught at pretty much 12, 11, 12 schools, right? Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's, that's. Yeah. 11 schools. Yeah. You're right. Schools. I said 13, but I think it's 12. That's fine. <laughs> that's <Yeah. laughs> fine. No one told you to that. Yeah. After a while. You Let know? me tell you who doesn't know everybody else. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, when you get past three schools, yeah. like who, I mean. Sure. I, it's embarrassing to say I was only in places one year, but my life circumstances dictated yeah, that sure. I could only be in one place a year at a time. So I have a weird question. And, mm -hmm. uh, there are, there are quite a few people that have a similar journey in that they, they do, uh, every two, three years, they, they go to another school, you know, get something new, something refreshing, whether that's personal or professional or whatever it might be. What, what would you say is a good piece of advice for somebody that is trying to sell themselves to an administrator that is a little hesitant to hire you because they see, oh, this person might not be here very long. They might not uh, find any sort of longevity at this school. Um, how do you sell yourself to, to kind of convince a, an administrator that uh, it'll be okay? Well... <laughs> That's a, I mean, that's a good question because that happened to me at Austin High. They said, why? Why have you been in so many situations for only a year? And I just had to be honest. My uh, first husband was a youth minister, so he moved a lot. And so that dictated me moving a lot. Um, and then he came out. And so uh, I just had to be honest and say, in my previous life, I was married to someone whose job made them move. My desire, my passion is to, to be in one place. Um, and I'd love the opportunity to show you what I got. And um, even though I have moved a lot in the past, it wasn't something that I wanted. Um, now, if it is something that you've wanted, I think you've got to be honest too and say, it just wasn't a fit for me. And I'm looking for a place where I can fit in, be long-term. And right. I think administrators well, from my experience, they they want to know you're sincere and they want to know that you have a desire to stay. Right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I I thought uh, when I first, because uh, my first job, I left after a year. And so I had to convince, I want to say his name was John Camarella or something. I know I know uh, Pam, Pam Wilson would remember, but uh, she remembers everything like that. Remembers everybody's she name. Does. But good yeah, memory. Yeah, but my, my first the first Katie principal that I had, I had to say, 
well, I left because, and, and I, I was true. I, I had to give him the honest answer. I was homesick pretty much. I wanted to come home. So, um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's quite the journey to, to, to jump around. Do you, do you still have like the colors of each school somewhere hidden away in a, in a closet or the attic or something? They're not, I mean, they're not hidden away or anything, but the really cool thing is I'm still friends with students I taught. Cool. So yeah. going back to 19, 93 when I first started teaching yeah. I still have students that yeah. are grown married they've married each other or married someone else and they have kids and so we rem- you know through Facebook we, yeah. of course but we I can still connect with them and it, I mean of course it makes me feel incredibly old <laughs> because these kids I go back and I look and they're like in their 40s well that means I was only four or five years older than them when I started teaching sure um and now the difference between my age and my students' age is like yeah. it's a lot. It's, it's a little different, yeah. It's a lot different. But I I don't have colors and things uh, kept it back in my memory. But I can remember all the mascots, all the colors, <laughs> all the schools. That's funny. So you And you mentioned that you uh, went from 1 to 6A. So you ran practically the full gamut. I think you you skipped all 3A or 2A. I never you skipped taught 2A, 2A. yeah. Okay. yeah. So what is, what is something, because Austin is 6A, correct? We're 6A now, yeah. yes. So, and formerly 5, but yeah. Right. And what is something that kind of the 1 and the 3 prepared you for that uh, maybe the 6 doesn't experience, but you kind of say to these 6A kids, these kids that are in a school of a couple thousand and say, hey, when you're in a school of a couple hundred, you you learn to appreciate X, Y, and Z. When I taught in the 1A school, there were 146 kids in K through 12 in the same building um and so to do one act i had to clean out the 4-h or ffa horse trailer like i had to scoop out poop so that we could have something to take our stuff to uh and so when i wanted when i did robin hood i had to paint backdrops on sheets that i'd sewn together and i had to go out to the back 40 woods and get tree branches and create all this weird stuff in a cafetorium. So I use those stories a lot with my students. And I say, hey, you can't complain. It's mostly, it's mostly about complaining. You have nothing to complain about because you don't have to clean the poop out of a horse trailer so you can go to one act play or you have a tech teacher who will build your set. You don't have to sew, you know, you can rent a backdrop or you can paint your own really nice backdrop. You don't have to like, create stuff from crap so I I do and I tell stories about those kids in the 1A how they they did everything from six-man football to basketball and a theater class you know yeah have you you know it's kind of like the dirty jobs idea I don't know if you ever watched Mike Rose dirty (laughs) jobs but yeah yeah. I just had this idea of like you know here's Mr. Agu taking us outside in the 6a school she's going to take us outside just to clean the ffa poop um (laughs) and just to teach us a lesson about the 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 here's the hose yeah 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 like i wore the big boots you know (laughs) just like they were like yeah you can use the trailer but you got to clean it out right so i'm like okay wow okay well that's fun uh (laughs) i (laughs) so and then and then another Thing that you mentioned at the beginning is that you were born in Granbury. Did you live in Granbury for a while, or were I you did. just born? I okay. grew up. I went to Granbury High School. Okay. Graduated. I still have family that lived there. Okay, mm-hmm. they're one of the few towns in Texas that 
kind of never shut down theatrically speaking because I, I know right. that they, yeah they had a sh- opera house yeah. there you go yeah so uh th- I found that interesting I just I saw that a couple weeks ago that they were still kind of hustling tickets and and uh doing a show so good for them I guess <laughs> I guess <laughs> yeah I, uh, I want to be part of it but. yeah I, yeah I wouldn't either <laughs> not right now not but, right now yeah but, my wife yeah. and I vacationed in Grand. We, that was one of our uh we we drove up there got an Airbnb years ago and uh, just experienced Granberry, and it was it was really cool. So it's I highly recommend going there. It's I think they rely a lot on the tourism world. So. When you're a kid, all you want to do is get away. But as an adult, you go that that was a really cool place to grow up, and it was it was good. Yeah, the the architecture there is is pretty neat yeah, too. Yeah. And then the globe. So you uh, you lit up when you were talking about the globe, uh, and you said that was in 2008. Is that correct? Yes. Uh-huh. So. When you, this was a summer, I, I think mm-hmm. you said, yes. when you went, how long did you, how long did you go for? I want to say it was, it was a month or six okay. weeks. So it was, it wasn't just like a little, like fly over the pond and, and fly back kind of thing. No, yeah. we, it was I, an intensive. no, I actually had a room at the London okay. School of Economics and had this routine every day where you walk from the dorm. Basically I had a roommate. I walked from the dorm to the Starbucks and then the theater. And then we had class, we had rehearsal and we did a performance. So just like Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, yeah. His morning, his morning latte. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Would you, is this a program that still exists? Uh Uh-huh. It's called teaching theater through performance. And um, you, anybody can apply to get a scholarship to go and do this through the local English speaking union. And um, I mean, I've known several people, around the state who've gone and it's an amazing experience because you learn not only about Shakespeare and about the historical context of his plays and the city of London but it's you know it's immersive so you become friends with these people I'm still very close to the people in my my group and we still have reunions we talk every day we communicate and help each other on productions and lessons and it's just really cool and I've been able to bring it back and share with our English teachers uh things I've learned about about Shakespeare himself about his productions and the historical context of things so uh question about Shakespeare then because in my classroom I'm I'm not the nicest when it comes to talking about how English teachers teach Shakespeare um because I don't necessarily agree that Shakespeare Obviously, you have to read it in order to know what the script is about, but it's not meant to be studied as a text. No, no, it's no, meant no. to be studied as as a performance or, you know, as, as an acted out piece. Mm-hmm. So as somebody that has the background of not just theater, not just speech, but also English, how do you tell your English teachers? And I'm sure now, 15 years later, they they know you, they have they've trusted you, but how do you now teach or, or help an English teacher kind of do that in their classroom since they can't, they don't have a stage. They don't have the the means to do what we do as theater teachers, but um, they have somebody like you that can kind of coach them through that. What What's one thing that you would tell them? Well, the first thing I, I say to them is that um, people went to the Globe Theater to hear a play. Um, and, and that's really key. Um, so they didn't go to read the play. They wanted to see it, of course, but they always said, we're going to go hear a play. It was very important to hear the the poetry, 
Um, and so they have to understand how to get kids to read as if they're performing. So um, if the teacher asks, I never like volunteer it, but I'm partners uh, next classroom next to mine is a wonderful English teacher. And he and I collaborate a lot when he's teaching Romeo and Juliet. He'll have me go in and teach how to read iambic pentameter without being sing-song. Um, sometimes I, they give me sections that they're reading and I'll give it to my class practice and someone will go in and perform for them so that they can hear it. And then um, I, I just tell the English teachers, the worst thing in the world is to sit there and have some kid go round robin trying to read this text. The best thing you can do is get a professional performance that the students can read along with or, or watch. Don't just look at it. Right. It's not meant to be just looked at. That's not or analyzed. And I, I think some I mean, our teachers do a good job of that. Um, I'll give them like the Orlando Bloom version of sure. Romeo and Juliet and then like their minds blown away and they're like, we don't have to show that movie anymore. You know, just kind of. Which which Hamlet is the best movie? Hamlet? <laughs> yeah. Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch. You think so? Okay. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. He's my crush, okay. first of all. Yeah. But. Uh, He's your I hall pass national... or whatever they call it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, uh, national theater version or um, the guy on Sherlock who played Moriarty. What's oh, name? my wife would know. Uh, he's, he's amazing. An, he's an amazing, he was amazing at Hamlet yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he's one of the more underrated act. Like people don't know about him over here. Uh, you're looking him up, but people don't. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. look him up real quickly. Um, people don't know him as well over here. Uh, and, and he, he was the best villain, uh, or not, oh. not villain, the, the best, um, uh, well, I guess he wasn't a villain. He just he played that kind of snobby. Andrew Scott. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Scott. Oh yeah, yeah. like crazy person. Yeah, like just yeah. I, yeah, I don't know, man. He was he was very good. I, I guess that that's funny because Sherlock. I was going to ask you about what was your what's your favorite Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, you know, role that he's played because my wife and I have we've watched we watched all the Sherlock's, um, and she's real into that stuff. The British. The British shows, oh, yeah. I, yeah. British crime is like the genre that I kind of gravitate to when I'm reading or right. I want to watch some Netflix binge or something. Yeah, yeah, and that uh, same yeah. with her. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Andrew Scott and Benedict Cumberbatch, best best Hamlets. Okay. Of the modern day, and, I think. And and if you and if if you're listening and you have never seen the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock, uh, I highly, highly recommend. I mean, it is it is so good. It's so good. Um, it's so creative. That's. You know, and I'm already a, I'm already a fan of Sherlock, and I've read all the stories a couple of times. Yeah. So to see him with a modern twist, I yeah. just love that. Yeah, it's That's also fun. it's also got that old school feel of you have to wait a long time to to see the next episode. <laughs> oh gosh, I know. It's so infuriating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, whatever. But it's very very good. <laughs> if if you've never seen it, I recommend it. So uh, I'm gonna take a swing here to now getting into the website stuff because. Um, I definitely want to get into it, but so you, uh, obviously most people probably listening to this know that your, your podcast exists after peace and that you produce with Billy. Um, and I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say one of the biggest differences between our two podcasts is I'm, I'm strictly interview, get to know uh theater teacher kind of thing. 
and I have no place to give classroom advice <laughs> and and you you're, know, yes you do yeah, <laughs> well some and but you and Billy really kind of you take subjects uh you kind of you get to the finer stuff you, you know you take a, a a very specific subject and you'll spend 30 45 minutes on kind of breaking down how to um go about teaching that subject or even if it's an after school thing if it has to do with your musical or whatever that might be uh you guys pick these topics that everybody needs to know. And if you're a new teacher and you're not listening to Afterpiece, you're doing yourself a disservice, but, uh, cause it's just a good way of getting kind of the nerves out, I guess, kind of, kind of understanding what, what you need to do before you even have to go do it. Uh, and this would be a great time to listen to a podcast like that because you're not in front of your kids. And I mean, there, you know, there are a couple of silver linings to this kind of modern fiasco that we're currently in, but, um, and one of those is that you can, you can start reading and 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 listening and doing things that mm-hmm. will get you ready for something that not you know that's what somebody said. We're all new teachers right now. Um, uh, we're we, all new. Yeah, we're all we're starting well. from the beginning. Yep. And so uh, for those first year teachers to take that kind of burden off of themselves, uh, they can listen to a, a, a podcast like Afterpiece to kind of get some of get get in front of some of those issues now. Um, you have, you've also created educational theater consultants.com, you and mm-hmm. Billy. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, through that, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, through that, you guys, uh, um, show off your, your different professional development, uh, uh, offerings, if you will, your clinic offerings. Uh, I know, do you, I know Billy clinics cause I've gone to mm-hmm. a million Billy Dragoo clinics. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, I've, I've never been to one he's of yours. He's really good at it. Yes, he, he's very good it's at it. It's a strength. Yeah, he's really good at that. He's one of those yeah. guys um, that if you ever get him in a workshop setting, it, I feel like he. I feel like part of it is the energy that he lets off is I've got to give you all this information and I've only got a little bit of time to do it. So please pay attention. And he does it with comedy, personality. Uh, you never feel like you're burdening him, which sometimes you get those professional development speakers that you're like, this guy doesn't want to be here. He's just here to make the money. Billy never gives off that, that vibe. Um, he's, he's, he's very passionate, uh, about it. And you know, that's genuine. I think yes. what, what some people don't understand. That's him. That's just yeah. a genuine desire to want to share. And yeah. people, a lot of times people get a misconception about you based on your success yeah. and, this enigma of the UIL one act play. And so people have this perception of you that isn't real because they don't know you. Right. But um, for Billy, it's sincerely wanting to share. Yeah. He will give you anything you ask for. Yep. Anything you uh, that has to do, you know, he'll give you lesson plans. He'll give you cuttings. He'll give you advice. He's it's just sincerely him. He loves to share. Yeah. I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong with this as well, but the two of you come across as people that aren't in it for the competitive reasons. It's just competition is part of it. And so, you know, Blake, UIL means usually I lose. <laughs> and yeah, for the most of the world, that's what it means. And there isn't anybody on the planet who hasn't lost. Right. I mean, and so for us, it is not the end all be all. It, it wasn't when I taught in 1A. Uh, and it's another show in our season. 
yes, we like to compete. And like Billy says, if you're going to compete, you need to give it all you can. But if we, if we lose at zone, which has happened many times, okay, we move on to the next thing. We get our lives back. <laughs> we get our, you know, free time back, but yeah. we move on to the next thing and keep our students moving forward. And I think that's a healthy way to look at it, or that's how we have yeah. been looking at it. It just so happens we have had a lot of luck, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, and also it's convenient for your travel expenses are much lower than, <laughs> than well, so. go, if you want to go to Austin. Yeah. That's yeah. both. A, I mean, it is a curse too, because yeah. your kids don't get the experience of sure. going to state. Right. They sleep at home and they have to be at school the next day. Right. Yeah. So it's not like you get the whole couple of days off. And uh, so, it, I mean, I'm not going to say it's not really cool. It's yeah. amazing, oh, yeah. but it is a hell of a day. Oh yeah. 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 And, and yeah, I guess I, I didn't really think about that, that fact that, you know, the, the kids that are coming from all over the state or it's a trip, it's a it, not a vacation necessarily, but it's, it's, it's a it's bigger, experience. it's a bigger experience than, mm -hmm. than what your kids, uh, or even local Austin kids, not just Austin high school, but you know, those local kids get to get to have, it's much different. We had uh, somebody comment to us one time that, uh, well, it was the contest. It was back when it was in hog. And, uh, for those couple years that it was in hog auditorium. And, uh, so after our rehearsal, we let our kids go eat lunch and somebody said, where are your kids? And we're like, I don't know. They're walking around Austin somewhere getting lunch. And they're like, how can you do that? I'm like, this is their city. They go eat on the drag all the time. We can't like keep them in a bus. They came in their own cars. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that is yeah it's a funny. different, it's a different experience. So what is, uh, for your website? And it's a, it's, a, it's quite the nice website. Um, Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just very clean. Uh, and that's not me just being nice. It actually is just very clean. Uh, I'm one of those people who like doing the nerdy people who like doing that kind of thing. Well, there's some god awful websites out there, but uh, yes, there are. <laughs> but this is it's just very straightforward and it tells you exactly everything that um, you would want to know. Is there stuff that you guys do that isn't on the website that if somebody contacts you about your services, you say let's do it, let's you know that that you've done in the past or something like that? Basically, what we did was we. We started thinking, okay, we've been in this game for, you know, me, I'm going on 26 years. He's going on 32. You know, we've got a four-year plan because when our daughter graduates, we're, we're done, you know. So what are we going to do in our retirement that, that might be able to help people? So yeah. we created the website. Uh, years of lesson plans and strategic things are on there for people. Um, but we do consulting. And, I, you know, we had somebody call and say, Hey, will you come out and watch my musical, you know, and give me comments on my musical? Well, that doesn't happen very often, but that might be something. Right. Sure. Uh, we teach in service for schools. Uh, do you do that for, do, do you guys get to do that for non-theater teachers as well? Have you guys done that? Uh, so, okay. Yeah, I have done it in um, uh, stress management. Okay. I've done that okay. one before. Yeah. Um, not too many though. Right. Not too many. Right. Do do you, uh, you know that that stuff fascinates me because th those PD sessions. My sister has done a few similar. She's a, a social worker, so she does um, based on grievance and 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 help helping kids mm -hmm. grieve and even yourself grieve and how to personally manage yourself. But the the energy that a professional development trainer 
uh, has to give off or a teacher has to give off is just so much different because you have to be so willing to kind of just listen to what everybody has to say. And, um, and you got to know when you walk in the room, nobody wants to be there. Nobody wants to be there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we know that going in. So yeah. the first thing I say is, Hey, I want to make this as enjoyable and informative as I can. Right. And we usually, you know, we do a lot of research before and to find out what the teachers want to hear about. Sure. And sometimes what their fine arts director thinks they want to hear is not what they want to hear. Right. So we go in with a plan, but then we can switch gears if the teachers want to switch gears. Um, because that's important for you to ha spend your day. Right. Getting yeah. information that you can use. Yeah. If you've got to be there, might as well make it, make yeah, it as, as worth it as possible. Yeah. What is, uh, so you mentioned um, uh, the musical theater thing, and I want to go, I'm going to back up a little bit, but you okay. teach musical theater mm -hmm. um, as a class. Did that class exist when you started at Austin? No, musical theater as a curriculum did not exist right. in Texas. Um, I, When I was hired, see, Billy had been in Austin High for 15 years on his own, no, 10 years on his own. And the principal asked me to start a musical theater program because Billy didn't direct musicals. He just didn't do it. He likes to watch them. He hates to direct them. And um, so I said, okay, uh, the first year I did a little shop. I was like, I've done that before. Everybody loves it. Let's go ahead and do that. Right. And then I wrote an innovative course. So, you know, we have all these courses through TEA that you can you can offer like costuming and Shakespeare class and all of these wonderful innovative courses. So I wrote a musical theater one so that I could actually have it as a class and they wouldn't let me have it during the day. I had to have it zero hour and I had to beg kids to be in it. Um, zero hour in Austin is eight to nine. So I wrote that and it just started blowing up and Tom Wagner, who was at TA at the time, started passing it around to schools that wanted something musical theater. And then that innovative course was what we have now as adopted as our TEA yeah, yeah. Teeks, Teeks and all. Yeah. Um, but no, I've been working on like building that program since 2004. Wow. What has really, like, what is a huge massive change that's come from those 16 years, 15, 16 mm -hmm. years? Well, the bad part is that less students take theater one. I got you. Okay. Yeah. So there, so in what we require in our program is that if you're going to take musical theater, you stick with musical theater all four years. Right. If you're going to take tech, you stick with tech all four years and you take them in sequential order. Uh, so the biggest difference is that the theater one numbers have lessened, but it's still the same amount of freshmen. Sure. If that makes our yeah, yeah. kids. Um, I think the difference as, as the program's grown, that um, we have kids who've come to summer camps that the musical theater class leads that are now in the program. Got it. So it's just become something that kids are like, I want to go to Austin High for musical theater. Yeah. Um, uh, not because we're the best. We don't win sure. contests or anything yeah. like that, but uh, it's established. Right. So I don't have to beg kids to take it, you know. It, it just continues to grow and develop itself. Do you have kids? Nice. Do you have kids that that um, feel they made the wrong decision? And I don't mean wrong as in, you know, joining theater. I mean, <clears throat> you mentioned that they they have to kind of stick with the course for all four years. 
-hmm. have you had kids that maybe join musical theater or join, let's say, let's say just theater one and they realize, oh my gosh, I, or, or you even have realized, wow, they, they actually should, would benefit more from this musical theater course. Are they able to kind of switch at that point or do they need to kind of stick it out? And Well, first of all, if they don't belong in there, I tell them. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, just, Hey, I think you would be better off suited for this class. Um, Billy doesn't want to let the kids switch from like theater one to musical theater two. Sure. So we ask them, like we talk to them about it as we do a student learning objective. So yeah. the very first thing they do is an audition. And if, if the student really can't sing at all, or there's no potential in me helping that student with voice, right. excuse me, voice lessons or dancing, I'll recommend hey, you might like theater one better because you don't have to get up and sing in front of the class. Right. Billy does the same for theater one and we'll work, move kids around. Um, we have a lot of kids who do both, who take both. Gotcha. Okay. That's good. Uh, yeah, I yeah. didn't I didn't think about the, the both part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, but in, in our department, you don't have to be in the musical theater class to be in the musical. Right. Anybody in a theater class can be in any show. Right. So, and you're getting the same thing, except that in the musical theater class, you're actually working towards a performance. Whereas in theater one, you're not necessarily working. It's a general overview survey class. Right. So you're so, not necessarily working towards a performance. I'm going to switch gears. Uh, okay. And uh, uh, I want to talk about your AnnieDragoo.com. Um, oh, okay. I, first, I want to, where's this, where's the picture taken that is on your website? It's it's kind of like in front of a stage or something. I, I can't exactly tell where it is. It's, but. it's in front of the um, Zilker Outdoor Theater ah, the stage. Okay. But okay. there's a stupid fence in front of it. <laughs> yeah. I suppose the, the, fence is, the fence helps the line, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It actually was um, uh, photos. Uh, those photos were taken with the American Heart Association. Okay. Because uh, in 2018, I was one of the Go Red, Go Red for Women right. uh, representatives. So they did this whole story on my death and all of that. So right. uh, they took the photos and they gave them to me, which is nice. So did you start when, or when did you start this? I could just ask that. Um, in 2014, after my second cardiac arrest. Uh, and stint on life support and right. all, I decided that I wanted to study holistic health. So I did go back to school. I'm a licensed nutritionist, physical trainer, and holistic herbalist. Um, wow. I did it mostly for me and my family because when you have uh, cardiac issues, your whole lifestyle has to change if you yeah. want to continue living. So I mostly did it for me to learn and to be able to create better meals to right. eat better and all that. But then I thought, you know what, I need to be able to share this with people. And my goal has always been to share with other teachers about how to handle your stress and eat well, because I know what stress can do to your body. And the kind of stress that a theater educator has, it's like no other stress. Because you have two jobs, one in the classroom, one after school directing. And then you have family, uh, an extended family. And if you don't learn to manage that stress, you'll be in the same situation I was. So I created this uh, website so that I could help 
that I could help people. Not many people visit it, but uh, every once in a while, uh, I get asked to teach on stress management or um, if somebody, like I got an email the other day that somebody had cancer and they'd like to know what, how they could change their diet to help, you know, through the treatment of cancer yeah. and things like that. So, so. this, like, uh, you know, for me, um, cause my family history is not so, uh, positive. <laughs> so, you know, I'm always, I personally am always looking for, uh, different ways and, you know, my, my need to, uh, have Chick-fil-A waffle fries is, uh, sometimes a little strong. So, you know, trying to avoid that stuff is, uh, with it's so hard. Yeah. With, with, <laughs> with good, you know, that's the thing is, is it's very difficult to find something that is just as good and convenient at, mm-hmm. a, at a seemingly, uh, reasonable price too. Uh, yeah, you know, that, absolutely. that's the crazy thing about health food is, it's more expensive than the bad stuff. And, um, yeah, you know, I grew up in Granbury and my grandparents lived in the country and they had a garden. Yeah. So we always just went out and got what we, what we needed, like corn or green beans or whatever. But if you want to buy organic nowadays, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, they're, they're, I guess it's just kind of economics, but, uh, what is, what is something that you discovered in your, you know, because it's only been a few years now, but uh, in in this short amount of time, what is something you've discovered that you did never thought in a million years you would like, and you all of a sudden are just head over heels for this particular food or, uh, uh, you know, some sort of something that has changed your life, that has helped your life, not necessarily changed your life. Like, what's a food that's really... Like this organic, sprouts. organic donut. Who knew? I oh, would love them. Brussels sprouts. <laughs> oh, we didn't grow up eating Brussels sprouts. Yeah. And one day Billy said, let's make Brussels sprouts for Thanksgiving. How do you make them? We, we roast them. Okay. And they're crispy. And Oh, my gosh. They're so good. Who yeah. knew? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Brussels sprouts of all things. And the hardest thing, like, like you just said, is those carbs. Yeah. Because I love potatoes. Yeah. I love bread. Um, but it's just a matter of what kind, I mean, the biggest thing, the thing that's made the biggest impact on my health and my health of my family is the process, staying away from the processed food right? and trying not to be the fast food theater director that grabs that water burger on the way home or grabs that, you know, ice cream or whatever. Right. Cause we all do it. We yeah. don't have time to sit at home and cook. Yeah. So, so w- one thing, and I, I'm sure he d- wouldn't mind me saying it, but Stuart Savage, uh, we just had our thespian um, retreat last week and mm-hmm, Stuart mm-hmm. gets on zoom. Uh, and I talked to him right before that, but he gets on zoom and he's, you can visibly see that he's lost a ton of weight. And mm-hmm. he said himself, he's lost, he's lost quite a bit. And the reason is, is because of what you just said, he's not driving home after a rehearsal grabbing Whataburger, no offense to Whataburger. Um, I love Whataburger. Yeah. It's my favorite. Yeah, but, <laughs> but he's not, yeah. he's not grabbing that food. He's been at home making himself meals for the past few months because of the coronavirus stuff. And, uh, and so that's, that's one of those things that I hope people are taking advantage of that. What is a quick, like, do you, do you meal plan for the week or do you, you know, what's a quick way to avoid doing that? What, you know, when we, when we go back, let's say it's hope, hopefully sooner than mm-hmm. later, but mm-hmm. realistically, let's say we go back in January, right. For our normal back to school stuff. Um, what is a way to avoid falling back into that trap? 
uh, easiest thing. I mean, and Billy and I struggle with this too, because we both I mean we're together 24 seven. So we're teaching together, directing, we're all doing the same thing. But if we can plan the week and on Sunday, pre-prepare some stuff, um, I'll go through and I'll like make little salads for myself and put them in there. And then I can just grab that and go to school. Right. Another thing I found that works really well is I have a fridge in my office, a little fr- refrigerator, and I'll buy a set of groceries for to take to that fridge. To the school, yeah. Right. So that my lunch is there right. and I'm not tempted. Now, we do go and we buy Sonic drink every day. Yeah. I get iced tea. Billy gets a Diet Coke. We do that. Yeah. But if we have food already at the school, then it just, oh, we got to eat that food before it goes bad and we won't go out, yeah, right? We right. won't go grab something. Yeah, and and portions, the portion size too, I think. It's that's, a portion yeah, size, yeah, big, yeah. big part of that. I know that that yeah. was one of my struggles. And when I started to sort of limit my portions, I realized, oh, you know, I don't have to try so hard. It's just, it just don't eat as much. <laughs> yeah, when I measured out my lunch today, uh, Billy's like, that's about seven ounces. And I was like, actually... <laughs> Uh, this is 13 ounces. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't like, this is a cup and a half. You can have this much. And he was like, Oh, that's a lot more than I thought. Did, did it take some, cause as a husband, I can understand watching my wife diet and trying to figure out how to get on board. Did it take a while to get Billy to kind of jump on that train or was he full steam ahead, you know, right away? No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. He was like, I'm always going to eat meat. Always. You can't make me not eat meat. And I was like, nobody's asking you not to eat meat. Uh, but once we started going to the farmer's market, we started getting hooked. And then yeah. uh, just, I think for Billy, he started doing it when he saw that it was making an impact on my health. Right, sure. And he didn't want to have to watch me be sick anymore. And right. he didn't want to have to watch me uh have to go through stuff that uh, foods like foods cause the congestive heart failure. I have to limit salt. I have to limit carbs. I have to limit all kinds of stuff. So he started buying groceries and cookbooks that will, that would benefit me. And as he's doing that, he's incorporating into his own life. So, and he collects cookbooks. So, Like he has this whole huge collection of cookbooks. He loves to cook. Um, and he does most of our cooking. Right. And like when he went to the grocery store Sunday, because I can't go to the grocery store, he said, I bought mostly fruits and vegetables and some chicken. And yeah. I came back and it was all really great stuff. <laughs> but it took him a while. Yeah, it took him uh, a while. So, and I want to, uh, we'll, we'll leave, uh, I want to talk about your family a little bit. I, you've got three kids, right? Mm-hmm. And, yes. and what are they doing now? I know your youngest is still, uh, is she entering freshman year, eighth grade? Sadie or? is entering freshman year. Okay. She was okay. born at the Texas Thespian Festival. Okay. Okay. Literally at the festival in Corpus Christi. Yeah. Um, and so this will be her, uh, first year in high school. Okay. Um, and she doesn't really know what she wants to do. Right. You know, she likes tech theater but she's taking musical theater right um she likes to do she did the makeup competition last year at thespian festival uh she did an ie for musical theater the year before um she's just kind of dipping her hands into everything and seeing what she loves but she's also hoping to make the volleyball team right so um we'll see about that yeah (laughs) 
And then we have a son that's 25, uh, Josh, yeah. and he is out on his own. He worked for the Austin ISD Performing Arts Center as a technician, okay. but that's all closed down now. Right, right. Um, so he's doing, uh, he's a sous chef at a restaurant. Oh, that's cool. In Lakeway right now. Okay. Um, he loves to cook and uh, right now he's growing his hair and beard out because he's going <laughs> to a friend's wedding and it's a Viking theme. Okay. So it's like, okay, whatever. He knows that you like you can do prosthetic like. Uh... I know, I, but he and I, he and I have always since he was little shared a love of literature. So we read Harry Potter together. Got it. Then we did Game of Thrones, both read the books yeah. and then watched the series. And now we're doing Vikings, okay, right? Okay. So he's like, my best friend is getting married and it's a Viking wedding. So I'm gonna look like Ragnar Lothbrok and I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> That's funny. Like, he's a millennial. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have a daughter who's 23, and she's a professional musical theater actress in Memphis. Okay. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, she's with Playhouse on the Square. Okay. In Memphis. So everybody's some somewhat entertaining or in the entertainment industry. Yeah, uh, even, yeah. even though your son's a sous chef, if he's growing out a beard and his hair for a <laughs> wedding. <laughs> Last year, he directed for two schools here in Austin, okay. and he was guest directed for us. So. He does some of that, and he loves the technical aspect. So Chuck will call him in, and because he's on the ASD payroll with the PAC, right. you know he can get supplemental pay from Crockett or Anderson for extra work. Right. So he's done that. And did they? Yeah, the, the your two oldest, they both went through your program, I assume. Mm -hmm. How yep. how was that? Because because I know that's on the horizon for me. My oldest it is, is yeah. yeah. My oldest is very theatrical, uh, and and my youngest is. A comedian. I don't know if she's necessarily going to be the song and dance girl that that Ava is currently. That's Eleanor, right? Eleanor's the younger one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But she she's the comedic timing one. She it's impeccable. It's disgusting, and she's not even four, she'll be four in a month. But <laughs> yeah. um, and Ava is is there's no doubt she'll be a, a theater kid. Yeah. But I know in seven years, in just and she's well in in oh my gosh, in six years she'll um she'll be in my class and. I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, yeah. We had to sit the, we, uh, the older kids, uh, we had to sit them down and talk to them. They grew up in the theater. Like they would literally sit on the apron and watch us direct or uh, start giving notes, you know, in private because they knew what they were. It's like the coach's son who usually plays quarterback. And that's usually because He's good because he's been around it all of his life, uh, but but uh, Billy and I had to sit down and tell them both, look, we're not casting you unless you're the best, and that means yeah. that you're going to have to work doubly as hard. You're yeah. going to have to work twice as much as everybody else because people will accuse us of, of, of casting you because you're our, our child, and so it you know that that part was hard, but they understood. And they begin to work at it. And then um, as we cast them, then people are like, oh, okay. And one time somebody complained that Haley got the lead in the musical. It was her junior year. And then um, the principal said, you need to go talk to the choir director about Haley. And the choir director said, look, she's our best singer. She was all state choir. She blah, blah, blah. She's the best one for the for the singing part of yeah, that. And, yeah. you know, I mean, you just have to be the parent that backs it up. Right. 
our, she failed a class one time. We kicked her out of one act play. Right. I mean, you can't, it's got to be equal and you got to yeah. treat your kids like students. And that's hard. Yeah. But as long yeah. as they know what, what's coming, I mean, yeah. you can explain to them. Yeah. And then I want you to have, yeah. If they've been growing up in it and they've seen it, they kind of know what to expect. So yeah. it's, it's also a thing like at the dinner table for us, you know, we try not to bring stuff up and we're like, don't repeat that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Do not say, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Cause talking about like casting a show, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're going mm-hmm. to do that. And yeah. yeah, so I get that. But she would also come like Haley did this more than Josh, but she would be like, the kids were smoking. <laughs> the kids <laughs> knocked off campus and they were smoking or, or you know, they would, yeah. she would tattletale. Sure. So then you have to kind of figure out how to solve that. Yeah. <laughs> without <laughs> yeah, get... saying my daughter told right, me. Right. Yeah. That's funny. So uh, I want to wrap up on something. I want you to give a piece of advice and, and, I want your oh. advice. I know, I know, right? It's the worst thing that to don't for, for listen to, <laughs> to Annie Drew. That's my piece of advice. But I, I because of because of what you have been through personally and professionally, just you know, from when you started your career, because uh, I know the math isn't like this, but you could say the first half of your career you were nomadic. <laughs> to, I was, to, yeah. yeah. And that's then the, true. the second half, you 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 know, you settled down, obviously. Um, but you've also had personal uh, road road bumps in the way or, or speed bumps in the way. So, as far as managing yourself, and and I mean I mean yourself as in people. I don't mean Annie Dragoo managing herself. But as far as managing yourself as a theater educator, as a director, as the producer of a show, as the manager of your own space, you know all these these hats that we wear. Uh, what is kind of you could you could say two or three things, but what are some pieces of pieces of advice that somebody like you, uh, who people say what you will about yourself, people look up to you and respect your opinion. Um, uh, but what are some things that you, Annie Dragoo, would say? Uh, you've got to you've got to make sure you hit these things or this thing. One of the things I learned when I was student teaching at Dulles High School. Yeah, there you go. Um, was try not to take work home with you use your conference time to do all that you can so that your home time can be family time and i've tried to stick to that uh even billy and i really try to stick to that we try not to bring well this pandemic is different but before the pandemic if we were going to go if we were going to cast a show together we would do it at a restaurant and we try not to bring it home and try not to do work at home, really sit down and use our time at school. Uh, Cause there's so many things you can do other than work during your conference period. Uh, but that's important to learn to separate what you have to do at home. Because in life, the only thing you have to do is breathe. And if you're not breathing, it's not worth it. So you have to have time away from your job. And your job is two parts. Uh, so, you know, we have to teach and we have to do after school work. Some people teach because they love teaching and they direct just because it's part of the job. And then there are other people's who, other people's, other people who teach, they don't really want to teach, but they love directing. It, you just have to know which one you are and plan accordingly. Right. 
So um, that's one piece of advice. And then another one would be, you have to take care of yourself. When I was a kid uh, growing up in a Southern Baptist church, and then 10 years as a Southern Baptist minister's wife, I was always, I was always taught joy Joy means Jesus first, other second, yourself last. And uh, I get it, but that's wrong. Because if you put yourself last and you're pouring everything out, then you eventually run out and you have nothing to give. So it took me a long time to realize that I have to take time for myself whether that's 30 minutes on a walk or it's a massage or it's driving the car or um, locking the bathroom door. I, don't, I mean, until my kids became teenagers, I don't think I had a bath, private bath or shower time. Moms I get that. Yeah. go through that, our dads <laughs> too. Get, yeah. so, uh, so learning to take care of yourself and, and make sure that you're taking care of your, your whole self mentally physically, emotionally, and spiritually, so that your, your cup is filled, like you always yeah. have something else to give. Because when you don't, you run into stress and anxiety and depression, and then that literally kills you. Yeah, You know, it can literally cause a heart attack and kill you. So um, those things, and those are the two biggest. Yeah, it's the, well, it's the, my cup runneth over. Uh, exactly. Uh, yeah, That's yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're a cup and you're constantly pouring out and never taking time to refill yeah. that cup, then you don't have anything to continue giving, and your cup will break. Yeah. And uh, just having gone through like the cardiac arrest, the life support, and and the the health journey since, it's always a work in progress. Right. You can't stop one day and say I've done it. You know. I'm all good. You have to, it has a daily thing. Minor